Moonpig. Welcome to the Moonpig podcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Jacob. And today we're going to be talking about co-catters and joining us is Jamin Lathier. Hi Jamin. Hiya. Would you like to introduce yourself before we get started? Uh, yes, I'm one of the senior devs at Moonpig working in the buy team. I've been here I think it's about sort of six or seven years or so, so probably t- makes me one of the kind of old-timers at the company, <laughs> get asked uh, those kind of questions about <laughs> legacy code and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's your fault? <laughs> Some of it, <laughs> not all of it. <laughs> okay, uh, perhaps we could just start off with um, a quick introduction as to what a code cutter is. Um, yeah, so kind of thing that comes to mind for me is around the idea of like deliberate practice, so it's about your coding skills and you're kind of working on a kind of a small problem that maybe you would kind of repeat a few times but you do different kind of techniques on it so that you're focusing on kind of a certain aspect of improving your coding um, and you're you're working on a very sort of small thing so that you can kind of isolate different kind of skills and kind of work on them kind of one at a time. Okay, I did actually read a really good analogy that sort of likened it to a musician who would mm. practice regularly yeah. and just make sure that they are still nimble uh, and can play their instrument correctly, <laughs> I guess. So it's it's kind of a coding equivalent of that. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, say a musical instrument you're working on, maybe like scales or chords or something like that. And then all those skills, you kind of, in a performance, you bring them all together in the kind of the real way of um, doing actual performance. Yeah, what what I also really like about kind of this idea of deliberate practice is mm. that you can take your time to make code perfect, right? You don't have pressure to rush anything out. Um, you don't have like a project manager breathing down your neck or anything. So you can really, mm. really focus on this idea of like, what do I want to practice today? And then like try to make the perfect code basically. So yeah. I think it's a really powerful idea. Yeah, I think the other aspect I think is quite important is this whole thing of kind of learning by actually doing, learning by doing something kind of hands-on. Uh, it's not just like sort of watching a video or listening to some, you know, um, sort of an idea being explained. It's actually the the act of sort of trying it out and the learning by kind of where do you find it difficult, what things make it easier and difficult and how do you actually sort of experience kind of trying out different techniques and yeah. um, and doing uh, coding in a, in a sort of a different way than you would normally do on sort of a day job. Yeah. So you said they're basically like uh, small small problems that you want to focus mm. on. Um, where do you find these problems? Where do you come from, right? Especially for people who would like to try this out for the first time, like where do you get started? Yeah, so there's lots of sort of classic kind of catters. There's things like... Um, uh, doing say like scoring for like the bowling game um there's things like so implementing like a game of life um converting numbers between like roman numerals that's another kind of race or classic kind of problem that people solve as a type of thing where yeah you can sort of you can work it out you can just sort of hack some code together and it's not like a problem that's sort of really impossible kind of to solve and it doesn't have to be anything that's like really sort of super complicated it's much more about sort of re- repeating over and seeing what different sort of ways are there of sort of solving that and um yeah what, what what do you sort of learn by sort of going in different directions and i find quite often there can be quite a bit of value in 
doing almost like the opposite of what you would normally do or just see you know, if somebody makes a suggestion maybe your, your initial thing might not be to do that but actually using that time to explore that kind of alternative way of doing it and seeing what other sort of value there is from that yeah i think that's a really good point right because the the idea is not if i'm doing game of life for the 20th time the idea is not that last time i finished it in 16 minutes and now i can mm. do it in three. <laughs> I, I can't do game of life in 16 minutes just as a disclosure but um like as you said, like approaching it from different angles in in ideally with like a different pair like if i work mm. with someone different it goes like oh yeah i would start off with this test and then try to go in that direction you're like oh that sounds weird but why not right <laughs> I, I think richard is laughing and smiling at me but but you're a really good example because you're very like strict with saying i'm testing outside in and i'm not going to start from like the inside i'm not going to start breaking apart smaller functions um and test them individually you always try to like test through kind of like the public api of your of your objects and your functions yeah i guess it's worked quite well as well isn't it in, in the few that i've been involved with um we've we've kind of i've been trying to push it down that direction and it's always been quite an enjoyable exercise even if we don't necessarily agree on that approach it's <laughs> it's, it's it's always come out with some learning and i think that's really what we're trying to get out of these things yeah, yeah. so i think there's like yeah there's that aspect of like the exploration kind of discovering new ways of doing things and kind of uh, finding out stuff that you don't know and I guess also just thinking about this kind of the repetition as well of um, if you want to if you find a technique that you like getting in the habit of actually using it as well so like you know getting the reminders from people about you know don't think we should like you know start from the outside in or whatever it is like that so you kind of then it just sort of kind of becomes an automatic thing so mm. you're doing it in a scenario where you're kind of maybe getting reminders or giving yourself reminders to kind of keep on using that strategy so we so we have these these co-cutters which are we, we've just discussed the merits of them as a, as a really great way for us to practice our skills as developers um, how, how how do we get people to do it? Is it something we expect people to do in their spare time or can we persuade the business to allow us to, to use work time to, to do some of this stuff? Uh, yeah, so the way we arrange it, we have like a two-hour session. So we have like, it goes over sort of a la- an hour of lunch and an hour of like work time and we arrange sort of buying lunch for everyone. So you kind of get a bit of a split of um, using a bit of your own time but also using a bit of like the work time to concentrate on that as well that sounds like a great compromise and and to providing lunch i think would probably be a big incentive for a lot of people mm. to come right <laughs> that's the classic right <laughs> if there's free food there's normally more people <laughs> <laughs> cook it and they will come something like that right um so if we're doing that then so, so we're using a little bit of work time and a little bit of personal time over the lunch break to run these sessions how do you organize them yeah, so the actual kind of, I guess, like the coding sort of dojo itself, we're like, we kind of get together, we kind of set a kata problem that we're going to solve, whatever it is, one of the, maybe one of the, the classic ones or a new, new problem that somebody's come up with. Uh, we all kind of go through it, uh, make sure we've all kind of got the same sort of understanding of it. And then in yeah, sort of certain sessions, we sort of set a technique that we're going to practice on then people kind of split up into pairs or sometimes um, if we're doing something that might be a little bit more sort of new or complicated we might do sort of mob programming 
sort of session with sort of bigger sort of groups of people to work on it. Um, we get the majority of the time we're kind of working on the problem and then we also always try to just make sure we save a bit of time at the end so that we can come back and we kind of share what we've learned about um, the, the session so everybody kind of shows what code they came up with talks through things like um, how did they come up with kind of those tests for that uh, that kata um, how did the code actually kind of evolve? What kind of interesting things did they come up with? Um, what kind of uh, new things to think about it? What kind of sort of bad things did they think about the techniques? Was it not necessarily sort of as useful as they might have thought it was? And how regular do we do these sessions? Yeah, so we all try to organise them like once every two weeks. Oh, that's great. That's a really sort of good... Um pace i guess to go through mm. these things long enough to have a think about something different for the next one yeah <laughs> um, uh, but you know not too far apart that people lose interest or yeah sort of momentum on, on the yeah. things they want to learn and try i don't know has, has it always been two weeks uh yeah we've tried to have sort of fairly regular cadence i think um over the past maybe eight months or so something like that we've had sort of fairly regular thing they've been a bit on and off before that mm. we've tried doing them originally kind of after work and buying a few drinks for people and buying pizza and stuff um and that was sort of popular for a while but we think we found kind of lunchtime seems to sort of work the best at the moment so yeah we've been carrying on with that yeah i suppose there's less reasons not to come when it's at lunchtime mm. right mm. i mean for me for example i have to get home to my family so after work's a lot harder to justify than mm. yeah. it is giving up some of my lunch break for example yeah and, and i think like the comp as you said a compromise of like an hour of your lunch time and an hour of work time if people see the benefit and if we can basically show no these sessions are good and these sessions mm. are valuable um right normally there's not an issue with organizing in yeah. that way mm. um and we see it with the the lscc coding dojo which is like an external meetup that we co-host if it's basically every month it's just like this ah I could do another one in between, right? But of course, organizing an external meetup mm. is a bit more tricky. So I think for an internal one every two weeks seems to be working quite well mm. for us. Yeah. Mm. Um, I really I really liked it. I think you touched on an interesting point there, though, which is uh, if if we deem these things to be valuable, how do, we, how do we measure that? How do we prove that doing these exercises are of benefit, especially if we're giving up our time and sort of business time? I think... It, that's a really tricky one, right? Because it's with always with developer productivity. How do you measure developer productivity? It's it's a really hard one. Um, I don't know if you had to prove in the past when you started these that that they're valuable or not. No, I think it's just basically been kind of <laughs> yeah. It's kind of um, yeah. We've kind of taken it on up upon ourselves just to kind of get things going and yeah. When we've like you know needed things like you know just signing off the expenses to get lunch and stuff mm. like that there's never really been sort of that big a sort of problem so i suppose it's fairly obvious that it's valuable right i mean people are practicing and getting better at what they do it's just it's one of those things that's it's quite nice if there was a measurement at the end you yeah. can sort of yeah i think um it, i think originally yeah, a few years ago when we kind of started we we're kind of um we had much more like an emphasis we were, we wanted to make sort of tdd much more sort of normal practice for absolutely like everyone so there was a bit of encouragement on that side of like it's something that kind of support that and 
get everybody in that kind of regular kind of habit and um, just increasing kind of pairing and TDD as like a normal sort of practice. So it's a, it a bit of like, um, yeah, easy kind of convincing because we're kind of supporting that sort of idea. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It yeah. is, you know, we've got a team. We want them to learn TDD or any other sort of technique like that. Yeah. Let, let's put some cutters in there and use that as an approach to solve the problems and help people learn organically that yeah. way. And, and even if not everyone shows up to them, right? If you, if you get more and more people kind of learning these, I think, very essential and core skills, um, you can more easily kind of like distribute them throughout your tech mm. team then. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, as you said like it, it would be nice to have a measurement but if a company is not doing internal code dojos at the moment they would like to try them and someone's just like oh yeah how can i convince my manager um i think the first time is always like ask to just do it once and see how it goes right i, I don't think most people go like no you're absolutely <laughs> not allowed to do that right um i mean there probably are people out there like this but in the end if you do it once people will normally come out and go like yeah this was this was interesting this was valuable right and then it's just a question of trust right if if someone tells me a session was useful to them and they've learned something then i trust that they don't lie in my face mm. but yeah i suppose that's your metric right i mean you you do i'm, I'm aware you ask for feedback right mm. um how did you find the the cutter session and uh, where can we improve and i think yeah. in fact we're going to have a retrospective soon about them as well right yeah, yeah, I thought it'd be quite useful to do some kind of retro because yeah, we've been doing sort of fairly consistently now and like get yeah get accumulate all the ideas together and uh, try to use them uh, going forward as well. Well, that makes sense. I think I think that that to me says we're just going to ask people: is this valuable? Hmm. And they're going to tell you yes or no. And if yeah. it's yes, then they continue to come, right? Yeah, sounds great. Um, so. I think it, it might be worth just talking about... So we, we've mentioned that the cutters are generally around fairly well-known, not too complicated problems to solve, and that the interesting thing for me is that we might try different approaches to it. Mm. So um, is, are there any that you'd like to sort of highlight as things that we've tried? I mean, you mentioned TDD, but, but what else? Yeah, so recently we tried out um, TCR, which is... Um, test commit revert which is um Kent Beck's um kind of new idea for kind of a replacement for TDD which is a bit of a I don't know caused a bit of a con controversy recently and it's one of those things again where like you can kind of only really sort of judge these sort of new ideas by actually getting hands-on trying them out and like seeing how they work for you so we tried that uh, that idea um so, so what is the idea so it's um, it's that you you write your test, um, you run your tests. If the test passes, you commit. If the test fails, you revert everything back to your last commit. Wow! So it just <laughs> adds a bit of extra kind of pain in order to <laughs> <laughs> try to make you go in the right direction and make yeah. The idea is that you're making very very small changes that are very controlled and very simple and understandable sure because you don't want to lose it right i guess and that's then what it is. <laughs> overall i think the bigger picture is about the fact that you could then have loads and loads of people working all in the same code base making loads of changes and you always know that everything's always green 
but yeah, I think that kind of comes later once uh, <laughs> if this idea becomes more popular. Okay, and what was the um, reaction? How did that go down as a as an approach? Yeah, we tried it out a couple of times, and um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, people were yeah willing to like give it a go and uh, try it out, see what kind of effect it had. Uh, I think overall, people think that you know the TDD normal sort of cycle feels a bit more kind of robust and kind of it's um, yeah it's one of the things because we've kind of we've got into this habit of doing TDD and like we I think I guess we carry on doing it now because we kind of feel the benefits of the like the safety net of the tests and things like that and um, yeah just it seems like you're kind of losing some of the benefits that we built up with TDD mm. using uh, TCR so I guess there's still sort of the jury's out a bit on it it's not really taken over <laughs> yeah um, personally I found it quite an interesting approach if I remember right you provided us with some tooling that would run the tests and do mm. the commit if it passed or revert if it failed yeah. so it was we didn't have any choice we couldn't pretend mm. we were doing this thing <laughs> we had to be doing it and I guess it added a, a little bit of anxiety when I wanted to run the test just to make mm. sure it was going to get through and I wasn't going to mm. lose my code but I guess th- what that was really trying to make me do was write down these very small things that it didn't matter if I lost it mm. and, and what I found is especially like valuable at the end again what was this retrospective that we had mm. right there's mm. really this yeah. 20 25 minutes at the end where we come together again and go like oh how did you do it how did you approach the problem what was the pain points for you right because if you just take the whole in our case two hours and then go like yeah i got this far and you go off again i think you lose quite a lot of the learnings and uh, a very good second example is when we tried property-based testing yeah. right it, it it was the same idea again it's just like no one of us was really familiar with with how it should work what we should do i think one of them we spent on watching a talk yeah i found quite a good little video where i just thought yeah spend about an hour watching that gets us kind of up to speed so we're not just kind of like um you know reading blog posts or whatever it is to try and figure out how to use the tools Mm. just put a little tiny little example together just so we can kind of get going quickly I think yeah, there's uh, there's maybe a little bit of um, when you're using one of those new techniques, there is a little bit of kind of preparation that kind of I think really helps to kind of make the sessions more effective. If it's like someone can just do a little kind of explanation up front or something like that and give a bit of example code, I think that makes things sort of run a bit more smoothly yeah. as well. And yeah, I think for me especially, um, I've done a little bit of property-based testing before, but with TCR. I don't think I would have like tried it for two sessions if it wouldn't have been mm. for like in the group. I think mm. if I would have done it on my own, I would have like probably tried it for a bit, go like, oh yeah, this is weird and <laughs> stop doing it. Right? It's with everything new that you're trying. Mm. What's the same when I started doing mm. TDD? If I would have learned it on my own, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really weird. I don't know if I like it. Mm. Um, it just takes a while with these things and mm. I think it really requires this yeah. group discussion on like seeing how other people do it to actually like become something valuable. Yeah, I think actually um, one of the the real pieces of value I get from doing these is that I generally work with someone different every time. Mm. Or actually, I, I work with Jacob quite a bit, but that's because he's doing interesting things like Haskell, which are, uh, are completely out of my comfort zone. But um, I guess I specifically try to make a beeline for people who aren't in my team to pair with, um, mm. because I think that that really helps 
one sort of the social environment you know there's, there's more people within the company that I know and I can talk to but secondly I think um, it's different ideas right you're going to mm. learn different things from different people all the time and mm. at every session I've been in I've come out feeling A I know that person a bit better which has got to be a good thing and B I've learned something yeah. particularly Haskell <laughs> <laughs> and it's even something when I was pairing with uh, Jakob the other time when we were doing C Sharp and we said like oh yeah let's guess let's go as object oriented as you can um, but one of the things we did the Mars Rover one right the Mars mm -hmm. Rover cutter where you need to position your little Mars Rover facing north east south and west and, and we looked and it was just like oh now we learned that these things are called ordinals right <laughs> it's, it's even if it's something like that it, every, every time I walked down it was just like I either tried something new or I've learned something new. Um, and I think it's a really, really good opportunity to also just go, I'm just going to try doing it in Python or whatever. Like, like pair with someone who uses a different language that you're working with. Mm -hmm. It's such a, a great opportunity to do these things mm -hmm. um, without having to go to an external meter, right? If, if you know these people already, it's sometimes a bit easier to step outside your comfort zone. Um, find it really powerful yeah i think i think so too so let me put you on the spot a little bit what what's the your favorite kata to do hmm. <laughs> yeah I, I think i kind of i've got uh more into i guess like the idea of just like repeating the same ones again yeah like sort of the mars rover and things like that mm. um yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, yeah, particularly have a, a favourite one. No. I think Mars Rover actually is quite fun. <laughs> do, do you have a favourite one, Richard? Yeah, I do. I actually, um, I like the Gilded Rose one, which is a refactoring Ooh. cutter, but I've done that one a few times and really enjoyed that one. Yeah. I don't think we've done that one here, actually. So, no, so there's yeah, one for I've the not list tried for that you. one, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely try that in uh, one of the, the next sessions, maybe. Yeah, and what uh, about approaches? You know, we, we've talked about the problem there, so favourite problem, maybe Mars Rover. Uh, but we've talked about different approaches that we tried, TCR, property-based testing, for example. Any of those stand out for you as something you've really enjoyed? Yeah, so, yeah, again, for me, like, the property-based testing one, really glad that we did that because it was, like, I think for me that was, like, one of those things where, like, I'd heard it was interesting, always thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll spend a bit of time doing that at some point. But then you know, the cat is, gives you that sort of opportunity to sort of stop sort of putting it off and just kind of like do a bit of research into it and then like really see, you know, seeing the value out of it and seeing a sort of slightly different sort of style of kind of thinking about testing. I love the way that kind of with the, you know, the property-based testing framework, it kind of it's kind of writing kind of hundreds of scenarios for you. So it kind of feels quite nice where you kind of, it has a thing effect of it where you, you write one test and really you've written a hundred tests and yeah there's something quite sort of powerful about that it kind of there's a bit more to sort of explore in there um also um we've had these kind of training sessions externally by uh sort of the coherence group so a few of the kind of ideas that they've brought in through that we've tried to kind of keep on practicing them uh there's an idea like uh, object calisthenics which is kind of a set of like rules which basically like really sort of push you to write kind of more um sort of discover the objects more in your code and kind of go towards kind of a domain driven style of sort of programming and they're sort of fairly 
they're, they're slightly maybe more extreme rules than what you would actually use on a daily basis, but they get you to kind of see those kind of patterns much more early than when you kind of, if you're not sort of going in that sort of direction all the time. They're kind of, the refactorings where you don't necessarily in sort of normal code necessarily need to go that far, but because you've kind of got this kind of um, sort of imaginary sort of situation where you do take it to those extremes, you kind of, um, it, may, it brings out uh, the kind of the, the benefits of those principles uh, a lot more. I suppose it helps you uh, rationalise between we could do this rate mm. refactoring and we should do this yeah. refactoring. Gives you kind of an example of what, you know, what it looks like if you would do it. Yeah. Mm. And I think, again, like the, the session itself provides a nice safety zone mm. in a way where you, where you can just do that on code that you're going to throw away, right? It's not like, mm. oh, yeah, I'm doing this in production code now and I'm going to spend an afternoon on it. And if it doesn't go well, because I'm literally just trying yeah. this for the first <laughs> time, then now I need to go to my product manager and say, well, I basically wasted a whole afternoon, right? This is, this is the nice thing where you can do these things and like also heavily restrict yourself. I, I, I sometimes like... There are a few restrictions of going like, oh, only use a text editor or don't use a mouse, <laughs> only use like hotkeys and, and things like these. Um, and of course they're painful, but if you, for example, discover new shortcuts suddenly for your IDE, then that's also something good, right? Which is just a, a very minor thing, but hmm. everything you can do to, to learn in a way. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's good. Uh, just to to wrap up then, um, Jamin, what would you recommend to people if they wanted to start doing this as a sort of a collective, say, code dojo in their company? Um, I guess, yeah, so I guess there's sort of a few things you probably want to try and get together. So, like, there's a few good resources out there for, like, looking up sort of catters. So there's a website called uh, Code Wars, which has, like, a big selection of, like, catters and... Um, lots of different kind of languages, uh, lots of different sort of problems to work on and it um, kind of does them all in sort of different levels of complexity. Um, there's another nice little site called um, it's uh, code-log.rocks and that has kind of a big list of all the kind of like the classic kind of catters which, you know, that's all, all you kind of really need sometimes You just if you're just going to repeat those ones and try out different sort of techniques on them. Then it's about you know having a bit of you know the time and the space, just getting a meeting room or some space somewhere where you can actually do uh, yeah sort of focus on these things with um, enough uh, enough time to work on things. Um, I think uh, having a bit more than an hour to work on this stuff is quite good. If you can get two hours, that's quite good because quite often you know if you're working just for an hour, you just sort of get into a problem and then you sort of stop. So having a little bit longer to work on it is better. Um, and usually if you've got a few laptops and stuff, that's quite a sort of easier way to kind of arrange sort of moving around and getting together. And then just, I guess, a bit of buy-in from the business to kind of like spend a bit of time doing this kind of stuff, which, yeah, hopefully isn't too difficult to convince people of the benefits. And, yeah, the other point was around a little bit of sort of preparation of like, if you can get someone to maybe um, start up a little bit of an example code or something like that, um, even if it's just like a blank project with one test in it, sometimes that's kind of like, yeah, you don't, you're not necessarily doing that every day. So 
kind of just getting up and running in uh, in certain languages um just having a little example just to kick things off can just save a little bit of time make things a little bit more efficient yeah or or a lot of time <laughs> right? we, we have this over and over with the external meetup where we do 25 minute pomodoros mm. and then do like a quick review and so many times you would have like a pair that goes like oh yeah we spent the first pomodoro setting up our environment <laughs> and it's just if you only take two mm. hours or like two hours is enough but um if you if you basically waste nearly a quarter of it with setting up your id um it's just a waste so yeah i think having like template project set up mm. is really a, a very good idea all right um i think we have everything we wanted to say for today okay all right um at the end i want to ask you a little question i don't know if you've listened to the other ones and if you know what's coming i want to know do you prefer hulk or iron man uh, probably Hulk. <laughs> uh, why is that? Just because he's big. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of like arrogant characters. <laughs> I see, I see. Hulk is the one for me. Uh, that's that's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, I think that's where we leave it for today. Um, thank you very much for taking some time and, and chatting mm. to us today. Um, thank you very much, Richard. Thank and you, Jake. Thank you very much, dear listeners out there in the world wide web and we're gonna hear you soon bye bye